0: Support for Radioactive's Punk Rock Farmer comes from Go Biochar.
1: Welcome to Radioactive Summer Break Punk Rock Farmer Edition. I'm Laura Jones and I'm in our temporary studio at Salt Lake Community College with...
2: Aldine Strickland, the Punk Rock Farmer here.
1: Wow, that sounds like a dog days of summer introduction from the two of us. It's hot. It's been long. My garden's had ups and downs. How's yours?
2: You know, things are starting to cool off, and things have really been growing. I mean, you can tell that the plants were stressed, and now they're not. And I I really think, I mean, I had some plants that were small, um, eggplants, and in the last two weeks, they've gotten to be like 18, 20 inches tall. And I just really am glad that we're having a respite from the heat.
1: Still hot during the day, cooler at night. Adjust your watering schedule, folks, as needed, especially during these drought times. So coming up on the show, Al, we're going to continue your series where you go to other people's gardens and hang out and talk to them about it. Who's up tonight?
2: Tonight we have Master Gardener Mary Beth Janerick from Wasatch Community Gardens. And uh, we're gonna go see how the the pros how the pros do it. yeah, we'll we'll say that. And she's already harvesting big boxes of tomatoes and lots of squash. And, you know, she's on top of it for sure. And they have little tricks and they watch the weather. and when you plant is big thing and all that. And we'll be talking to her about that.
1: I really like the insight from folks like Mary Beth, but, average folks in their garden. So if folks want to take you on a tour, they're comfortable having you come over and be outdoors with them in their garden, how can they get a hold of you?
2: They can get a hold of me on Facebook at Punk Rock Farmer, or you can go to punkrockfarmer23 at gmail.com.
1: Still to come this hour, we've got details on Slow Food Utah's Feast of the Five Senses coming up this month and Skywatcher Leo T. with Many Cultures, One Sky. We're going to start where we always start, though, and that is with some fresh and homegrown music courtesy of the folks at Craft Lake City. Here's part of that conversation. We've got Audrey Locke with us, Al, the entertainment coordinator, and she's going to introduce us to a couple of cuts from bands that are on stage at the DIY Festival. But Angela H.
3: Brown is with us the empress, the high priestess of Craft Lake City. How are you? I'm doing so good. We're actually on site at festivals setting up and we're just, we just can't wait to welcome the public to the 13th annual Craft Lake City DIY Festival. You're over at the Utah
1: State Fair Park. And as we record this, it's not yet Friday, but it's airing on Friday. So all of this work that you're doing, uh, we're going to be featuring
3: music, but tell us everything else that's going on at the festival. Yeah, so th- this is our 13th festival. We've got a kids area with a bounce house. We've got some really fun um, activities for the kids with our partner, Mark Miller Subaru, some kid, some kids kind of crafts. We've got our Google Fiber STEM building with makers that use science and technology to craft. Uh, we've got over our biggest um, actually pool of artisans yet with over 330 all local artisans that are going to be kind of displaying everything from 2D prints to jewelry to you know upcycled vintage wares. Uh, We've got um, over 20 food trucks, which um, I know Punk Rock Farmer Al Aldine, you're going to be excited about um, some of those local (laughs) food trucks there. Um, And then, of course, we have two stages with over um, close to 50 performers, including our headliner, um, local, local performer, Rip Momney, that will be there only on Friday night as part of our VIP experience.
1: All right, Angela, what's the website where I can get all the details, look at all the vendors, plan my visit perhaps around local music, and
3: get tickets? craftlakecity.com again that's craftlakecity.com and you can find out all the information you can kind of plan your visit you can preview the artisan profiles as well as the performer profiles
2: hey audrey um tell us a little bit about the first band and what stage you're playing on and um, when what time they play
4: all right thank you so uh first up here we have Refamos is tonight at 6 30 on the krcl stage uh they're Playing at uh, six o'clock or six thirty p.m. on the KRCL stage, and they're a an instrumental group. They got cool like deserty riffs and stuff, and it's oh, nice we love and, them. We yeah, love ni- them. nice, and vibey for sure. So, yeah, this is Bifamos with Peleroha.
2: fresh and homegrown, right here on KRCL ninety point nine FM.
1: the first KRCL bumper sticker on my car and now I'm sporting KRCL wherever I go. I officially am a part of the KRCL family. Hi, I'm Trina Baghumian, KRCL's new Director of Underwriting and Special Events. If you own or manage a local business, I would love to connect you with our listeners. With thousands of sets of ears tuned to our station each week, your message will reach folks who value and support Utah's local business community. Become a KRCL sponsor today. Email me at trinab at
0: krcl.org. cultures one sky as we look up, look around, and get a little bit lost in space. As I record this, I'm going to the park. As the evening evolves into dusk, we join scientists and fan of experimentation as we explore the atmosphere where Colin starts to lift off a swift-looking delta-shaped kite at a park with great visibility and a wide horizon overlooking Salt Lake City. And this evening, as we look out to the south and west from a berm above the park, Colin releases his teal-colored kite.
5: Yeah, I think around this time in the evening it should should work.
0: Looks like it's ready to lift off. Yeah. This is the kite that my science colleague is (laughs) (laughs) lifting off here at the whatever park this is up above the Avenue's fire station.
5: Yeah 11th Ave Park. It's a good one. Because you get a little bit of
0: wind current
5: and what is it what's the best thing to do so you can get it up a little bit? I usually just wait till Around this time of night when the wind starts shifting it uh, cools off a little bit and it seems to come switch directions and uh, I don't know I've had decent luck. I think now that I'm uh, close to testing uh, the sound part of my project there seems to be a lot less wind though. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little late in the summer but... Um, you got to try and get it up a little high to get the next uh, level of yeah sort of the next current? Yeah, yeah. If you can, if you can get it up to like a thousand feet, it makes these crazy uh, vibrations that come down the string. So it's my goal is to try and uh, record it.
0: Cool. So this kite, you should see the shape
5: of it, people. Yeah, it's kind of a classic delta kite. So it's like almost like an upside down V. How how far do you think it was out last night? Um, maybe a thousand feet. A thousand feet. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's fun when it. Because up up there, it's a little bit more stable.
0: So the thing is that Colin is playing with science here, and that's what we're interested in. Colin and I are still up here in the shimmering dusk of a fire-tinged sky up here at about uh, 10 to 9. And if we look over to the west, we see a beautiful sliver of a crescent moon, and I'm thinking that's probably Venus there, just off to the left. It looks so good. Yeah, actually, yeah. Kite is flying. It's working. So let's go fly a kite up to the highest height. And as we explore the night sky, we can let our kite and our imagination wing way up to become a twinkly star grouping near the Big Dipper, known as the Kite. It's in the constellation known as Bootes. Check the Skywatcher Facebook page for a diagram and other sources for this segment. And look up, look around, and get a little bit lost in space. Skywatcher Leo T. Next week, visit the Indian subcontinent and Skylore of the Indian people.
1: Thank you, Leo T. Check tonight's show notes for a link to the Skywatcher himself. Still to come, Al's urban farm report. He's going to share his trip to the home garden of Mary Beth Janerick of Wasatch Community Gardens. But right now, we're going to talk with Kim Angeli of Slow Food, Utah, which is getting ready for its Feast of Five Senses. Here's our conversation with Kim.
6: I'm doing great. Great to see you virtually see you guys out there
2: (laughs) no kidding huh so cool um it's been a minute uh i know last year a feast of the five census was uh kind of a pickup thing and uh you went to the restaurant and picked it up i sure do remember the days when we were at the masonic temple and boy we all got together and i mean gather there was like a couple hundred people there and everybody enjoying food but we're doing a little different in the last couple years and tell us kim how's how's it going to go down
6: yeah, so we have what we call a movable feast, and it is a. There are some dining options this year, but um, also some take-home options primarily. And the reason why we did this, there's a couple reasons. Obviously, one, COVID, of course, but also the um, the state of our restaurant industry, and we wanted to be really um, sensitive to our restaurant partners, especially our local restaurants. We want to make sure that they're thriving and alive and supported. And it's just not really a time to be asking for donations from that industry. So we came up with a plan that really allows us to achieve our goal, our fundraising goal, but also profit share with the restaurants that are participating. So when you purchase a meal, you um, the we split it with the restaurant they get the money to cover their costs. We get the money to go to the microgrant fund and you get an amazing four course tasting menu um, coming from our local farmers right to your table. So it's pretty cool.
2: So um, what can, what can folks expect as far as um, how about you give us the names of a few of the farmers that are involved and and maybe the chefs.
6: Yeah, sure. So we have a, um, Five farmers that have partnered with these restaurants, and which is also another thing that we love about the feast because we're introducing new relationships between the farms and the restaurants. Um, a lot of the restaurants that participate with us are big supporters of local food. But the more that we can get new players together, the happier we are. So um, some of our farm partners are um, Clifford Farms. She does heritage pork, farm fresh eggs. Everyone loves Julie Clifford. Mm -hmm. Um, We have Blue Spring Farms. That's Tamara and Randy from Tremonton. Another one of my favorites.
2: Oh, they're cool. They're all hippies. They're really cool. I love those guys. (laughs)
6: Yes, (laughs) (laughs) They are. They're holding down the hippie front in (laughs) Tremonton. Um, and for restaurants, gosh, it's a really great gamut. One of our board members, Adam Kreisel, is a local chef. So he's done a great job. And we have everyone from uh, Lakai to mock and mock and street food. So there's a big array. Each restaurant is um, creating four courses to package and take home to recreate the feast at your kitchen. What we hope, like my desire is that um, people don't look at that, like at the word takeout, right, is is an interesting word, but that's not what we're doing. We're recreating a feast. So, um, you know, gather your inner circle, set a beautiful table, put your centerpieces out and celebrate this meal for what it's meant to be, which is a celebration of the harvest and the amazing restaurants and farms we have in our community coming together for a good cause. So all of the money raised will then go back to these grants that will keep these projects moving forward, so.
2: Exactly, I was gonna ask you to expound a little bit on uh, just what the micro grant program is all about. And it's, uh, I know that it's small grants that go to a lot of small farmers around town.
6: Yeah, it's, um, this is the 17th year that Slow Food ha- Utah has been um, creating the feast to deliver the micro grant program. So all of the proceeds will um, go into a fund and we hope to raise about, you know, 15,000 to $20,000 each year. Um, We've not quite made it to 20,000 yet, but maybe this year. (laughs) But, um, and then in January, we accept grants from local farms, food producers and um, educators. So we've done a lot of school gardens have been built from this project. Um, Farmers use them for um, just to bolster projects on their farms, like, uh, last year, Borsky John Borski did a um, big shade structure to keep his herbs and greens. And I was like, well, that was really, you know, some foresight on his part. Right. 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 What, a, what a tremendous year to have something like that on a farm when so many have suffered with the heat that we've been experiencing. So um, small projects to keep the community tighter, to keep it stronger and to keep people growing local food in the state of Utah.
1: Kim, tell folks where they can get details and sign up for Slow Food Utah's Feast of Five Senses.
6: Slowfoodutah.org is our website and it'll detail the information. You'll pick, you'll select your restaurant. There's 10 participating restaurants. Um, <clears throat> when you receive your meal, you'll also receive instructions, not just on plating the food, because you're kind of like, you're like the you're the finishing chef at home. But we also have um, videos that we've created on wine pairings. Francis Foucteau has... Um, helped match pair your wines for your meal. And um, also, we worked with Pam Olson at Native Flower Company to provide instructions on how to create a local centerpiece for your table. So slowfoodutah.org. (laughs) <laughs> thank,
2: thanks so much, Kim. I, I really look forward to the day when we can all sit back together again in, in a big hall and uh, really enjoy the clamor and talking to folks around us about, you know, you you, you get yeah. to sit with everybody, you know, and it's really, it's such a great, such a great event. And I always look forward to it. And I look forward to it now still. And thank <laughs> you so much for all Slow Food does.
6: Well, thank you guys for helping us spread the word. We really appreciate it and um, hope to see you soon over a beautiful table. Check tonight's
1: show notes for a link to the Feast of Five Senses with Slow Food Utah. All right, Al, it's time for some more fresh and homegrown music. Here's Audrey Lockie from Craft Lake City.
2: Okay, Audrey, will you tell us a little bit about uh, Nicole Canon Because she's playing also.
4: Yeah, so she's playing on the Sled Mag Stage at 3 on Saturday, so tomorrow. Um, and so she is a indie pop artist. She's got really cool, like all these like vintage scents and stuff. And it's really entertaining stuff. And she's on that label um, Up Here Records with like Backhand and Adult Prom and some of those other bands. Um, and so, yeah, she's really great. We're really excited to have her. So this is her song, uh, Wherever and Another Day by Nicole Canaan.
2: Fresh and homegrown on KRCL 90.9 FM. <laughs>
3: Want to be heard?
7: Yes, that's all I
3: ever wanted. To serve a grand community of music listeners, local bands, and others for the benefit of youth? It's a definite responsibility. I can handle it. I work in retail. Then you should join us with the Loud and Clear Youth Radio Program.
7: That's a lot of words!
3: Join a group of teens all aiming towards a common goal, being heard.
7: Sounds great to me. I'm making a LinkedIn profile as we speak.
3: Our applications are due the 10th of September. I'm
7: typing faster.
3: Whether it's for fun, community, or job opportunities, find us online at spyhop.org. That's spyhop.org.
7: That's a memorable website you got there.
3: Loud and clear. Be heard.
1: Welcome back to Radioactive Summer Break, the punk rock farmer edition. I'm Laura Jones, and we still have one more band to share with you that's on stage this weekend at Craft Lake City's DIY Festival. But first, Al, it's time for the Urban Farm Report. You got to finally go somewhere that very few people get access to. And I'm not talking just because of COVID. She keeps her garden tight. I'm talking about Mary Beth over at Wasatch Community Gardens.
2: Yes, last year Mary Beth was, uh, she came over to my garden, and um, which, you know, my garden isn't perfect, so I don't really bring people over to say, oh, look at my beautiful rose and look at my beautiful trimmed everything. No, it's not quite that way. It's punk rock farming. It's growing food. It's being sustainable and all those things. But um, since Mary Beth came to my garden to do the um, urban farm tour last year and she helped film it, Uh, she told me I had a free pass to go see her garden. And uh, this is that conversation. This is Al the Punk Rock Farmer. And I'm here with Mary Beth Janerick. And we're in her garden. Last year she came and we did a little video of my garden for the Urban Farm and Garden Tour. And we made a pact that she saw my (laughs) garden and then I get to come and see hers. (laughs) And so Mary Beth, Uh, Give people a little picture of what it looks like, because obviously we're on the radio.
8: Okay, so um, thanks for being here. You know you're the only person on the planet allowed in my yard.
9: (laughs) Um,
8: I live on about a quarter of an acre in Cottonwood Heights, and I've been here since 1997. So the garden has grown over time. Uh, It's a combination of raised beds and in-ground beds and currently we're in the north part of the garden uh, which has a nice little microclimate because along the north fence is a huge old maple tree. Um, So it keeps it a little bit cooler over here, but we keep it trimmed back so it doesn't provide too much shade for the plants to grow.
2: It's a nice little canopy, though, that hangs over where on the side that the sun doesn't come from. So it's cool, and it's a maple tree, and back east, that's all we have is maple trees. Out here, I don't see many.
8: Yeah, we have three on the property, and um, I absolutely love this. It's like my respite in July and August if I'm out here working in the garden. I can go over to the north fence and like cool off for a few minutes in the shade and then keep working. Um, so I have about, I don't know, maybe nine different beds that I grow in. Uh, four of them are in ground and the rest are raised. Um, and. Uh, right now, it's very, very filled in. It's overgrown, man. It's, it's really lush. It is very lush. I, you know, I am very privileged to have this amount of space so that I can practice some crop rotation. Um, over the years, I've been growing more and more and more and more tomato plants, and it makes it harder and harder to rotate your crops when you're like a monoculture. We're a little so,
2: bit nutty about tomatoes, well, aren't we? We are. We are. We are. Um,
9: <laughs>
8: So last year during the pandemic, when I grew 28 tomato plants, I swore that I was not going to grow that many this year. So I have four (laughs) cherries. I have five pastes and I have four slicers. That's it. And I deliberately planted the bed we're standing in front of mostly with dahlias to force myself not to put tomatoes there. Um, And they're just starting to bloom. Like this one over here is called pink explosion. Uh, and it's really quite stunning this one down here is called honeymoon, and it's a big orange. It's beautiful. beautiful flower so I These are
2: tall. They're... they're
8: they're very the ones in I so I did plant the taller ones to the north end of the bed, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then the shorter varieties um, to the south and they haven't bloomed yet And then along the very southern part of the bed. I planted these uh, Beautiful yeah. marigolds that we started at the green phoenix farm from seed in the spring uh, is it a certain
2: variety? Because I always see them small in little bunchy clusters. Well, right, and these, these look big.
8: These are about uh, two and a half feet tall, tall. by about three feet right, wide. Right, right. They're very, very tall and bushy. Um, and the funny thing is, I think they're called dwarf bolero mix. <laughs> <laughs>
2: so well, I, didn't, go I didn't
8: plan on them being quite this size. <laughs> but they're very happy, as are these eggplants. And we've been... Um, just eating eggplant daily. We've got pingtung long, like this one right yes, here. Yes, oh, they're it's beautiful. Beautiful. Look at they're this. so like, beautiful. It's I the love them. The length of my forearm.
2: I get those. I love those. I have some growing.
8: Uh, thai long green, and then the patio baby is sort of buried down, down here in, in there. the middle. And this is a really fun tomato plant that I, I'm sorry, pepper plant that I'm trying this year called Mexican hat.
2: Uh, they're oh yeah, sort of like, like a bell. Shaped. They're um um, com- Mm, I'll think of it. It's a it's a Mexican name, Campanita. Campanita, I think is. It. Okay. I've grown them before. Those are huge, though. Bigger than the ones that I have. They're
8: they're really large. The plant mm. is enormous. It's, they turn red. They're totally right. full of fruit, but right, they're all green right now.
2: Mm-hmm.
8: Um, in this middle bed, um, <sighs> we have the the squash plants, the summer squash plants, really kind of overtaking the basil that's yeah. at the southern end of the mm-hmm, bed. Mm-hmm. Um, this is uh, two different kinds of patty pan squash. I've got uh, Benning's Green Tint Patty Pan and Sunburst. And the main reason that I grow patty pans is that they're much less susceptible to squash bugs. Uh-huh. Uh huh. All season long, I have found just two squash bug adults. I have found no eggs whatsoever on this patch.
2: So what do folks look for? You turn the leaf upside down?
8: You do. So you bend the leaf over, and um, that's where you'll find little rows of bright... Uh, sort of shiny um, amber colored eggs. They look like little bits of amber all lined up in a row. Uh, they can also be on the, st- on the stem uh-huh. of the leaf. Uh-huh. So you want to find those. You can squish them with your finger or you can walk around with like duct tape or plastic tape around your finger and just
2: kind of like a lint collector thingy.
8: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And then the other trick to finding the adults and heaven forbid the Babies have hatched in their nims everywhere. You just take like a watering can or a hose, and you flood the base of the plant with water, um, and you you just wait and see what emerges. They will crawl up out of the saturated soil. Oh, okay. And then you use the tape to, or so they're you,
2: not only on the leaves; they're hiding in the dirt. The
8: adults and the and the nymphs often hide at the base of the plant during the day. Coolness. Um, and then you know they're horrifying. The nymphs are like these like lime green. Um, insects with black legs. I mean, they're like something out of a horror film. Um, And they can take down your plant like in a day. The Mm -hmm. squash bugs. Wow. So you really, it's not like one and done. I looked for squash bugs this summer one time. No, you need to do it as often as you
9: can
2: yeah one of the signs i've heard is the leaves looking droopy like they need to be watered but you water really good and you're you have a good watering schedule but then all of a sudden the plant's looking kind of funky like it needs water but maybe it's got maybe, something maybe else. it's
8: the squash bugs and like at this time of night as the temperatures start to fall a little bit um, even if the plant was a little bit wilty, because that's sort of a protective mechanism, they kind of are like, Ugh, I'm in uh-huh. the heat of the day, it's uh-huh. 100 degrees, I'm just gonna curl up a little bit or droop. Um, by this time of night, if the plant is healthy, it will perk back, back up. up. Or first thing in the morning, it'll look perky. If your plant droops and then doesn't perk back up, you've probably got a squash bug problem. Time dabble. to look. So then over here, we've got the collards and the kale in this big, long bed. Um, and those go primarily in soups and in our smoothies every morning. Oh, yeah. So we use all our fruit, the grapes, the blackberries, this big, huge strawberry patch, which was also a pandemic patch. Um, again, in an effort to just produce more of our own fruit, uh, since our peach tree kind of bit the dust last year, we have pears, apples, plums, and I really expanded the strawberry patch. I put in some June bearing, but a lot of Uh huh. And we've been getting fruit consistently all season it's i mean i get a huge bowl of strawberries every day
2: so cool i love that i so, you know that's like that's a great tip for folks everbearing is the goods
8: fort laramie happens to be my personal favorite um and so this is really with the exception of this one um lonely tomato plant in the middle of the road this is our smoothie bed really we've got charred kale collards and strawberries nice um
2: organized
8: now as we come to this third um, this is
2: oregano, yes?
8: Oh, it is. It's oregano and... It's beautiful. I harvested so much oregano during the pandemic. Oh I have dried oregano like for the rest of my life. Really? So this year, I just let it completely all bloom uh, and it's like a little bee patch. It's They, they absolutely love it. love it. I don't need any more in my I'll kitchen. take a little bit. Oh, absolutely. I'd love to share. In this third in-ground bed along the north part of the garden is the pepper patch and bush beans. So um, I really, I'm, I don't know if I'm a bean snob or what, but I really like the French filet beans.
2: They're nice and skinny. They're
8: very, very skinny. They're very tender. Oh, they're
2: very sweet. They're
8: very sweet. Um, This is a variety called Roland, Mm. R-O-L-A-N-D-E. So it's a French uh, filet beans. Oh these
2: are delicious. They're so good. Oh my goodness. And
8: you know for years I tried to find a good tasting filet bean that grew in a pole habit. You can see over there on the dahlia bed there are pole beans uh-huh. in the north. Uh-huh. But honestly I've never met a pole bean that I like as much as these.
2: Boy those are sweet.
8: And I, I went to pole because you know with my back bending over like I just grow them up at face level and then it's easy to pick. But these just taste better. So I have just a nice little patch, enough for the two of us. And it's like a little bush.
2: It's a bush bean.
8: And I I don't preserve the beans. We just eat them fresh. Uh, I don't have a pressure canner, so we don't can beans. Um, And I am too lazy anymore to freeze my beans. So we eat the beans in the summer, and the beans are done. Um, This back here is uh, past its prime. uh, And this is black raspberries. Oh, wow. And they are actually my favorite fruit that we grow. Um, they're all dried. The ones that I missed are dried on the bushes now. Um, and they, I just think, have such a complex flavor. Um, I just cannot get enough of them. And it's really prolific. But it's a harder plant to manage. They're very prickly. Um,
2: Black raspberry.
8: Black raspberry. Very nice. I used to have, like, you know heritage and can be and fall gold like regular raspberries but um i prefer the flavor of these and these you you can't really get these like even at the farmer's market Uh uh-huh but you can get i've never seen your fix on your regular raspberries in the farmer's market um then i've got some other tomatoes at the north end of this bed because again they're you know taller uh, I've got cucumbers growing up that trellis along the north. And front.
2: so this is only one, maybe a third of your garden, this so let's get moving third. to the rest We're of it. We go through this little <laughs>
8: tunnel here uh, to cross over to the, the raised bed portion of the garden. Um, you can see at the uh, west edge of all the beds, I have a lot of flowers growing. So, the flower that you're looking at right now is called Ami. It's in the carrot Queen family.
2: Anne's Lace family. Uh, yep. So I have a, a huge bag of the seed from James. And exactly. now I love the way it looks and I'm going to grow these.
8: I got these uh, as starts from the Wasatch Community Garden Spring Plant Sale. And I just absolutely love these. I also have them next to flowering uh, dill. Uh-huh. So, it's, you know, fern leaf dill, but it's in flower right now. So um, again, I harvested a lot of dill seed last year, and I'm only looking for the greens and the the opportunity for insects to get the food that they need. Uh This is an annual flower that I got at the Wasatch Community Gardens plant sale, and it's um, hot-lip salvia. (laughs) It's an annual, I believe, and it's a salvia, and the hummingbirds are here every day looking, uh, you know, eating the nectar from Uh us. This is our tomato tunnel area so i have all my tomatoes right now under 30 percent shade, shade cloth, cloth because you know hottest summer on record yep um, and it also makes it nicer for me <laughs> as a person coming in here to tend the plants
2: look at how wonderful is this the grandfather
8: no um because mine are kind of like i'm growing to like that. martino at campus at the wasatch community gardens campus this is pink jazz and you can see right here. There's a, a great big one. Oh wow! Um, this one's even bigger. This one's probably going to be at least a pound and a half.
2: And this is not an indeterminate or a, a determinate, a determinate no. plant. This no, is this huge. Is eight feet tall. <laughs> <laughs>
8: like. I, if I stand with my hand over my head, i I'm at least a foot away yep. from being near the top of plant. Mm-hmm. Same with, um, so this is cherry row and this is slicer row. Very cool. I limited myself. Four of each. I that my husband and I don't need nine cherry tomato plants. Right. I finally accepted that reality. <laughs> so we've got some hybrids. This is a super sweet 100. You know, nothing fancy, but it's really, really good and really, really productive. Do you like it?
2: It's very sweet. <laughs> it's very sweet. I know, right? It's really good.
8: Um, this is one we're trialing this year it's, as a possible contender for the plant sale. It's called Brandy Sweet Plum. It's been a little slow to get started. Uh-huh. So, not a huge fan. This is just another little hybrid called Sugary, and it's it's delicious, um, but it's been, you know, what is it, two feet tall? It's All right. like, it's not... Pleasing me very much, and then this is one that we sold at the plant sale. I don't know if I might have harvested them all. It's um, that were ripe so far. This is fruit punch cherry. Very cool. Behind us, we have some other big slicers. This is a mushroom basket, although I think it's an off type. I mean it doesn't look like my mushroom baskets before
9: it's
8: it's it does turn red but it has yellow jagged stripes and it's not as pleated so there's something going on with the genetics of this particular plant Mm -hmm. and then I've got a Wisconsin 55 which is an early blight resistant semi-determinant four to six ounce slicer just a boring red tomato but early blight resistant and uh, the one at campus one plant produced 41 fruits wow which was really nice productivity from that plant and That's then we great. pulled it this one's been a, not quite as productive but very delicious and then along the so this bed this section actually runs east west yes the beds as opposed to north south so, mm-hmm. when i put these beds in i didn't know what i was doing <laughs> this was like 20 years ago or 25 years ago and so i
2: So the second row gets shaded a little bit by the first row. Is that the the idea, what you're talking about?
8: Yeah, you know, so the the onions, for example, that I had Uh in the northern of the two east-west running beds, um, I had them on the south side of that bed, and they just didn't get enough sun to do what onions have to do. So, instead, I've got golden purslane growing in there, and that also is full of omega fatty acids, and we put it in our smoothies every day.
2: You do, you do eat it. And oh, I yeah. mean, it's a little lemony. It a, is. A little lemony, and it has sort of a um, soury, citrusy little bit of a it's flavor. it's
9: succulent. It's, it,
2: it's got a lot tastes, of water in the leaves, right?
9: I think it tastes a lot better than the regular purslane.
2: that oh, it does. Pull as weeds. It's like, just it's just the the tooth the the way it is when you bite it.
8: It's just really mild. Yeah, right? it's
2: really nice. But it's really it's, nice, but the texture of it is a little different than the one that I have. That's it's thicker and it's juicier and kind of strange.
8: Yeah, I mean, I I think I do it for the omega fatty acids. I I might be the only person right now on the radio that bought seeds for purslane say the name say
2: the variety again golden purslane golden purslane
8: and it gets quite tall so that's you know 14 16 inches tall
2: Mm -hmm.
8: here i you know our peach tree died it was old
2: so they get old they do we have one in our yard and it's been producing not as well it has some splits like this mm-hmm. and my dad planted it in the 90s so it's been 20 years and i've read that it's maybe 12 years or i've or
8: heard, you know if you get 15 years out of a peach tree that's really? pretty good okay um i don't remember the what year what do you that do we when you f-
2: when you have to cut it down or?
8: Well, I mean, I think most people would actually cut it down instead of leaving the skeleton that I have in my yard that's like
2: (laughs) eight feet tall.
8: But I leave it because it provides the opportunity to hang shade cloth. Uh huh. So I use it as a garden structure and the birds love it. So my hummingbirds, you know, they come and they flutter about and exhaust themselves eating the nectar. And then they come and sit in my dead tree
2: Wow, that's cool. I don't know if I've seen very many sitters as far as they
8: chill in this tree. Like I've seen them flying all the time. They're like, thank (laughs) God, (laughs) this woman has a dead tree in her yard because I can come and sit on this. And you know, from an aesthetic perspective, it's probably not you know the prettiest looking thing. This big dead tree, but I planted it. I got a lot of fruit for many many years, and I love it. And now it's just useful.
2: To each his own. (laughs)
8: To each his own now we're in an area of um
2: this is the we're getting close to the end of your raised beds this is the last section yes you have some berry bushes beyond but let's hear about this last section so
8: this bed was you know i you can tell that they're oriented north south again so i inherited the beds to the north when we moved in the women that lived here already had those beds and i've just amended amended and then as we moved through the smoothie bed and then tomato row one and tomato row two, the east-west beds. That's when I didn't know what I was doing and now I just make the best of it. Mm -hmm. Now in this part, I sort of learned what I was (laughs) supposed to be doing.
9: Right,
8: And um, so I oriented them north-south, but you can see in the middle, rather than having a big wide row to walk through, from the sky, this bed looks like the letter H. H so I call it the H garden. Nice. And so I I claimed that 16 square feet, so four feet across. Four by four. By four in the middle, and it's just an H-shaped garden. So I have 16 more square feet than I would have had otherwise. This was- And
2: beautiful flowers in that section. of
8: cosmos and zinnias in this section. Um, and this is where the paste tomatoes are
2: this is where your your cooking tomatoes exactly. are your it's sauce soft, your soups canning, canning. Mm-hmm. all of that mm-hmm. this
8: happens to be a green grape tomato um, with some nearly ripe fruit on it that was just a sad little leftover start that I had and I'm like oh I just can't not plant you Almost. so I planted him and you know he's making a ton of fruit um this you can see is covered in shade cloth so i have hoops over one part of the h running north south this was where the peas were planted and when i pulled out the peas i left the hoops and the shade cloth in place because this is where I'm going to put more kale and collards for and the for your fall. for your fall. And when are you going
2: to put it? Are you going to put starts? Or are you going to put plant seed? I planted some seeds uh, about a week ago, and things are coming up a little bit. I got some choy and some things like that, that I, and some mescaline masculine greens Ooh. and a nice row, and it came up in the on the second or third day. That's yeah. so awesome! Very cool.
8: Well, we have a couple of little. Like, uh, we're going backpacking next week, for example, so I won't be here to hand water the seeds and really make sure that they're, you know, looked after. So I'm going to grow, I am growing kale, collards, chard from seed uh, in trays.
2: So more stuff that you like to eat, and that's a thing I think that we need to tell people, you know, grow stuff that you, grow stuff you love, grow stuff you want to eat. You
8: know, over the last however many, 20 seven years or something you know i've grown cabbage i've grown kohlrabi i've grown like i've grown cauliflower (laughs) i've like tried pretty much everything there is to try and it was all very exciting and i'm glad that i've done it and you know i totally support anybody that wants to grow those foods like you you grow what you are going to eat I like Kohlrabi. I'll eat it, but I don't want to dedicate my somewhat limited real estate to Kohlrabi right. when I know that what I'm going to eat every single morning is kale, collards, and shark.
2: Uh-huh. uh-huh.
8: Um I will probably put in some spinach because we do love spinach, but you've got to be prepared, I think, if you want nice spinach to have your hoops out, get your insect uh uh-huh. you know, netting uh-huh. or your um, floating row cover out so you don't have Leaf, leaf miner miners ridden spinach. So, if that you, don't you even keep the eat, cap
2: over them, they don't rise up and and the
8: leaf miners won't be able to mate properly.
2: They mate properly above the plants, and so they can't get above the plants, they don't mate properly.
8: Right. And then, if they don't mate, they don't lay eggs. If they don't lay eggs, you don't get the maggots like ruining your leaves. So, um, you know, growing spinach well requires a little bit of planning and you know, coordination, right? So um yeah like we've got enough carrots here to last us all winter you know we'll eat a carrot every morning in our smoothies very nice and that's pretty much what i do with my carrots you know
2: what a beautiful garden Mary Beth. Oh. i love it
8: i'm so glad that you came to
2: i'm visit. so like feel privileged that i'm the only one who You're gets to come one. here <laughs>
8: well my americorps my americorps maddie um, who's been working with me for two years. I, I have allowed her in the garden as well, but <laughs> no other humans are, are allowed
1: in here.
2: <laughs> well, I feel very special. You know, there's, there's quite a few exciting things going on with uh, one majorly exciting thing going on with WCG, with Wasatch Community Gardens, and I call it the Grateful Tomato Campus. Oh, that's my word for it, but I'm sure it, it has a name. And and it tell does. me a little bit about what's going on because you guys have moved in there.
8: We have just, I think, this week was uh, my first big last bear. Tuesday or last, something. I yeah, think, yeah, last week, I think, uh, the movers came, but I was out of town. Um, So it's called the Wasatch Community Gardens Campus. Very nice. And it goes between Green Street and 600 East along 800 South on the north side of the street there. So we uh, still have Grateful Tomato Garden, the community garden portion. um, And many of the community gardeners are uh, returning uh, former members. So that
2: part's not going anywhere. It's
8: not going anywhere. Um, there are lots, of, I mean, the garden is absolutely beautiful, what the community gardeners have done this year. It
2: looks really nice. But it's it's very lush. I'm working right around the corner from there and I drive by every day. But I also notice that there's all these beautiful brick walkways with little places for trees or whatever's going to go in there. Tell me a little bit about that side.
8: So, um, I was privileged to work on helping to design the teaching garden spaces Uh, and I worked with our um, former youth and school garden uh, program director on figuring out how to make the teaching gardens flow really well and work really well and be functional for classes Mm -hmm. uh, and also be accessible for folks who might have like a wheeled walker or be in a wheelchair or Um, be pushing a stroller or something like that. So we tried to strike a really good balance between in-ground beds, raised beds, wide pathways, and then a little bit of whimsy and more narrow sort of wiggly paths and um, to add sort of interest and excitement and more participation for visitors to the garden. So, um, that's you know, we've got something called the sunflower house. We're going to have a new herb spiral. <laughs> um, we have uh, our teaching tunnel. So, we got a new uh, sort of gothic arch um, poly tunnel or a high tunnel structure that has um, plastic and you can grow year round in there. Oh, so, wow, cool. a lot of people might not realize that you can grow you know tomatoes and ground cherries and tomatillos and flowers and strawberries and all kinds of things under plastic in utah in the summer um we do have a nice little microclimate there too because again it's along the north side of the garden and there is a large tree nearby so it keeps it a little bit cooler Cooler. we also have a swamp cooler
9: Uh in there nice and
8: fans and so it that it's, it's my favorite place honestly uh, in the teaching gardens. You go in there and it's 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 so um, inspiring and it, it smells good and the air feels good with the humidity and it's full of color and life. We just planted carrots in there yesterday. We tore out some of the summer crops and put um, carrots in there. Uh, but it's an important teaching space. So you know, it's, a, people, it's an
2: extension space where you're extending your spring and your fall garden. Right? Exactly,
8: and we can use it as a and classroom. In this,
2: and in the summer, you're saying things will yep. grow because you have that ventilation and you have that cooler.
8: And we also um, the per- the structure that we purchased has drop down sides, so the sides drop down
2: or, or pull pop back up. up, so you can get some air. So
8: in the winter, of course, we can you know have it kind Bat- of toasty in down here. down the hatches. But in the summer, boy, is it ever comfortable in there. And we have a little brick landing zone when you walk into the tunnel and we have little brick pathways because it is an educational space. It's a classroom as well as a place to grow food. So we've got that teaching tunnel. Uh, We have a brand new shade pergola uh, in the middle of the garden right by the new artesian well. So the well is still functioning. It's still pumping water up out of the ground. Uh, And we have a large new um, structure that it pumps into, that's just has greater accessibility from all sides. For oh the... my
2: goodness, so it's much amazing. going on it's there. You, you know, we could talk for hours, and we get nerdy and we talk about plants and tomatoes and this and that. But just being here in your garden, I don't know how much more time we have. Okay. <laughs> but <laughs> just... I'm so glad. I'm so glad to come and. I have been, I cherish your friendship and we have, it's been quite a few years now that we've been kind of cohorts and, and excite each other and send pictures of our gardens. I always send you pictures of my garden. Oh, (laughs)
8: totally. I love, I love being able to do that. And, you know, I've watched your girls grow up and, um, I just so appreciate everything, not only that you've brought into my life, but that you do for the community and, uh, you're you're an, an amazing human which is why you earned the privilege to go, go uh,
9: to my garden <laughs> thank
2: you so much Mary Beth. on that note i think we'll, we'll uh we'll say till the next time okay and that and, sounds and great. um let's get together and cook or um you know drink some backyard wine or I something i would love
9: that <laughs> i would love that
2: thanks so much that was uh, me and Mary Beth janrick Here in her garden, and on kind of on the bench, uh, Mm -hmm. the foothills of the of over by Little Cottonwood Canyon.
1: Exactly,
8: yeah,
2: very cool. Thanks, Mary Beth. Thanks, Al. Thanks, Mary Beth. That was awesome.
1: Oh, you had access that folks, few folks, get, right. Oh, my gosh. All right, so where can people reach you if they would like to invite you over to tour their garden space?
2: You can look for me on Facebook at Punk Rock Farmer, or you can email me at punkrockfarmer23 at gmail.com.
1: All right, Craft Lake City DIY Festival going on as we speak over at the Utah State Fair Park. And, Al, it's time to close out the show with just one more song from the bands that are featured on stage, including the KRCL stage. Time for some more fresh and homegrown? I think so. Audrey, tell us again who, what, when, where, why on the DIY festival.
4: All right. So the festival, yeah, it is going on right now. We started at five at the Utah State Fairgrounds, um, five tonight. And then tomorrow and Saturday we open at 10 a.m. So rest of the weekend down there, uh, you can get tickets at the door or you can go to craftlickcity.com to look for advanced tickets still and more information on who's participating, lineup, anything else you might need to find.
2: And then the folks can um, expect to see Icky Rogers also. And uh, where are they going to be at and a little bit about them.
4: Right. They're playing on the uh, Slug Mag stage uh, at seven o'clock. So I think pretty soon here now. Um, and then they're uh, a local like alternative hip hop artist and stuff. They got really cool like production, all these, I don't know, really spacey sounds and stuff. Uh, I was lucky to play a show with them at the Beehive just last week and stuff. And they're a great performer, really fun. And I'm super stoked. So this is uh, Icky Rogers' song, Birth Chart.
1: Okay, wait a second. You just said... I just played a show with Icky Rogers. So we've been talking to you for a couple of weeks now. Yeah. and don't know anything. <laughs> I don't about your musical inclination. So you here's a spot. Tell us what you do and how people can catch up with your music.
4: Um, okay. So I make music by myself. I make like noise drum stuff, uh, like electronic music. And you can find that on Bandcamp. It's under Audrey L period. Um, that's on there. And then I'm also in a local kind of like, Goth post-punk-ish group called the Mercy Seat with a few other people. Um, yeah, we're playing around, uh, opening for Choirboy on the 25th and Urban Lounge on the 16th with Daytime Lover. So yeah,
2: sounds good. Maybe Very we'll cool. have to have you on the show sometime. I
4: think so. <laughs> sounds wonderful. We'd love to.
1: Audrey, thank you for everything. Really appreciate it. Have a great festival.
4: Hey, thank you both so much. I hope to see you there and everyone else.
1: <laughs> Democracy Now coming up next, followed by Not a Sideshow with Circus Brown, Friday night fallout with Keith and Nate at ten thirty, full lineup online at KRCL.org. We're going out now with Icky Rogers. This is Birth Chart.
2: Fresh and homegrown on KRCL ninety point nine FM.
7: your chart look like what that chart looking like i want to know you're the exalted moon to my exalted sun i study you like a birth chart you take me to the stars from the very start i'll be missing you like venus and we're apart and if Saturn has its way, I'll be disciplined and stay on your side like a birthmark. Okay, you take me to the stars from the very start. Oh, and I study you like a birth chart. Uh, uh-uh. rising in my heart like the sign on my fifth house cusp. 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 Head in the clouds, but it's funny you don't get out much. 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 You come alive in the nighttime, just like me. 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 You don't believe in star signs, but it just might be. a birth chart you take me to the stars from the very start i'm missing you like venus and we're apart hey hey and if saturn has a say i'll be disciplined to stay on your side like a birthmark can you take me to the stars from the very start Ooh. and i study you like a birth chart hey jupiter connection because you're everything that i believe funny conversation now you're touching on my mercury you're really funny. You come alive in the nighttime just like me. You don't believe in star signs, but it just might be. Stand on your planet, please I'm trying to navigate the stars and your galaxies take a long walk, scratch that, a space cruise We can just talk, please grab your space shoes I know that you're a skeptic and you say you don't believe it You never heard the stars talking, you don't like the pretense So independent, you won't let me see your whole heart Until you do, I study you just like a birth chart You're the exalted moon to my exalted sun I study you like a birth chart Okay, you take me to the stars from the very start And I'll be missing you like Venus when we're apart Hey, hey, and if Saturn has a say, I'll be disciplined and stay on your side like a birthmark. Okay, you take me to the stars from the very start. I study you like a birth chart. You're the exalted moon to my exalted sun. I study you like a birth chart. Okay, you take me to the stars from the very start. And I'll be missing you like Venus when we're apart. Hey, hey, and if Saturn has a say, I'll be disciplined and stay on your side like a birthmark. Okay, you take me to the stars from the very start i study you like a birth chart what that chart like what that chart look like Hey, what that chart like